0: The Blue Bomber Podcast. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.
1: Derek Taylor is the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. And DT, hands up if you thought our conversation this week was going to start with the name Drew Brown. Not,
2: Not up. Not, not up at all. Nope. Nope. Not up at all. (laughs) What did we learn?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What did we learn last Thursday night? What did we learn last Thursday night about the Winnipeg blue bombers and their quarterback situation? I mean, I don't think any of us are surprised when a defensive back jumps in and, and does a good job in relief in an injury situation. I don't think any of us are surprised necessarily when somebody runs in and maybe covers for a couple of plays uh, for Jake Thomas or whoever the defensive lineman might be, but for your quarterback to be out of the game for three quarters and I don't care who you're playing, for that individual to perform the way Drew Brown did has to be a surprise.
2: Well, think of how great we felt in week one of last year when a concussion spotter pulls Kolaris out of the game uh, on it in the final drive when they're trailing, and Brown goes in, bink bink bink, completes three passes, including a jump pass on the second on the second play. Uh, think of how great that felt as they beat Ottawa on week one or week whatever it was week it was last year, week one I believe. And then take that and amplify it by fifty because, I mean, Kolaris comes in, uh, goes out on the play on which they go down twenty-two nothing. And I get Edmonton is not good, and their offense, apart from three big plays, and you know part of one drive, didn't really have much. But you're down three scores, you know, essentially four scores, because the Bombers don't like to go for two. So you're down four scores to the Bombers, or are the Bombers? And you go, oh boy, this this is trouble. Uh, and then the first drive, Brown goes in, uh, they go two and out. You go, okay, that may not be ideal. And then from there, he's just ripping it like he is just so very comfortable uh, against a defense and a defensive coordinator that's trying its best to make you uncomfortable. And he's throwing touchdowns to this guy and to that guy. And oh, I'm going to check this one down. Oh, I'm going to push this one down the field and see what happens. Oh, I'm going to on a roll to my right. Not stop to set my feet, but get, I just got my body right. And I'm going to see if I can throw this to Kenny in the back of the end zone. And Kenny Lawler, one hands a ball. That's just perfectly placed. You go, know, yeah, that's, that's really, really, really good and really encouraging. It, it's the first, I think it's the first time we've seen Drew Brown in extended time with all the starters and man, was it good. Yeah, that was week one last year. Blue Bombers 19, Ottawa
1: 17. And as you mentioned, down the last series, Zach Kalaros gets pulled by the spotter and the Blue Bombers go down and get the game-winning field goal in a game that nobody predicted that they would lose. And uh, then you fast forward and and you think about what a loss in week one last year may have meant. We don't have to discuss it or think about it any further than just batting it around in your head right now. But now there is that discussion, that feeling, that sense, Derek, and we'll talk to Cameron Poitras about this a little bit later as well, that Winnipeg has a rock-solid backup. After years of of wondering, is it too early to say, yeah, we know – that uh, Drew Brown is a as a capable capable guy. It's three quarters of football,
2: but sometimes you just sort of know, right? I think so. Uh, what I'll take away from it was it was a tremendous performance. Dot dot dot. It was against the worst team in the league, right? It sent the Elks to be zero and nine, and I go, okay, that's it's amazing that he's able to come do it come when i remember checking and when the bombers were down 16 nothing whatever it was uh fifth must have been 15 nothing six 15 nothing they were still a one and a half point favorite in the live betting and i thought that was hilarious because oh okay so the folks at cool better whatever it was they understand that the elks are a bad football team i it was against the elks so that's my only my only condition of this go okay against a better team uh, I wonder what it, what it would look like if he has to come into the game against Toronto a month from now. I wonder what it'll look like, but man, for Drew Brown, he will be flying high. And as as Christian Amel suggested in the postgame show, you know, he might have just made himself a ton of money as he's about to be a free agent at the end of the season. That's a really good point. In a
1: league where Dom Davis still holds down a backup quarterbacking position, Drew Brown all of a sudden may have his stock. He may be the stock to watch as it pertains to CFL quarterbacks over the next two, three, seven, eight, 9, 10, 12 months. Only the future will tell. You mentioned Kenny Lawler, and I've got lots of friends, Derek, and you have them too, that don't necessarily watch the CFL or they watch the Canadian Football League begrudgingly because there's nothing else on. Well, there was NFL football preseason football on on Thursday night, but I challenge you, outside of one catch from Odell Beckham Jr. that I can think of, I challenge you to bring me a highlight of a catch any better than Kenny Lawler's at the back of the end zone Thursday night against Edmonton with one hand. I don't know if he's left-handed or right-handed. I don't even know if it even matters what his dominant hand is. That was as good a catch as you will see anywhere, anytime.
2: Brown wants the end zone. He's going to throw it up for Lawler. Did he one hit that in the back? Oh, my goodness. Kenny Lawler quarter. The defender is all over him, eating up his right arm. Lawler just sticks out his left hand and makes an unbelievable catch. And the Bombers have a one point lead. I love that Lawler's like, yeah, routine. Nah, I just I lifted both my hands up. I couldn't get my other my inside <laughs> hand up, so I just stuck out my left hand and it made a routine catch. I'm like, come on, man! I, I you have giant mitts. I get it. Like, he showed us them yesterday at practice. He's and he said something to the effect of second largest hands measured at the combine that year, like ten and a half inches. These just these fingers that just go on forever. Triple XL gloves. The whole works. Um, it was it was pretty pretty ridiculous. Um. Is uh, and honestly, it's it's what was required to make that catch, right? Like Brown puts it, where only Lawler can get it. He tries to get the arms up, but he's he's hand fighting or being restrained by the defensive back. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were kind of as they as they do and things like that. They're kind of pawing at each other, but couldn't get the other hand there. So, uh, uh I'm just gonna take this one, tuck it in, make sure that uh, this is a catch because that one the other week. Uh, DT didn't think that was the catch, so make sure this is clean. Boom, touchdown! And you go, wow, to take the lead. That's
0: <laughs>
2: that is incredible. Uh, can I? I can propose one that may be a little bit better than uh, than Kenny Lawler's catch in the game. If you have a moment, that's what we're here for. We were watching practice day one of practice ahead of this coming game against Calgary, and there's when you're watching practice. Folks listening who've been to practice know there's so much going on at one time, but Lawler was running a deep post route down the field. And whichever quarterback it was, Brown or Dakota Prukop, throws in the ball. Defenders on his left shoulder as he's cutting, you know, toward the post at his right hand side. Uh, here comes the ball. He just leaps up like it's nothing. Right hand, inside hand, stabs the football, grabs it in his hand, and just keeps on running to the end zone. You go, Come on, man. Like, come on. You just just stab, not bobbled, not tipped to himself. Just hand up, stab football, pull down, keep going. You know, come on. You just made the catch of the season in the CFL, uh, and maybe the maybe the second best play of the Bombers' season because there's still that generic Grant punt return for a touchdown. And now you're pulling this in practice. Come on, he's he is uh, he is an artist at catching the football. That is for sure.
1: Well, one week after extolling his virtues and talking about the fact, hey, that's why the Blue Bombers coveted Kenny Lawler. That's why other teams coveted him as well. After his 200-yard receiving performance, he only had two catches. But when one of them is that spectacular, it's difficult not to go down the same road and talk about what Kenny Lawler brings to this team. I want to bring up another name, Brady Oliveira. Once again, had a huge impact in my mind on the game, along with Buck Pierce and his willingness to continue to run the ball, even though the Bombers
2: were behind early on Thursday. Well, and and I mentioned during the broadcast with Ed Tate doing color, when you look at run pass rates in the CFL, how often a team, how often CFL teams run and pass the ball, no matter what the score is, they don't really start changing that until you get to the fourth quarter which you think, okay, well, the fourth quarter is actually pretty long. So, yeah, you can, if you're down 22 early on as the Bombers were, there's zero reason to change change what you're doing, right? You need to concoct the plays that are going to give you the best chance of getting to the end zone to get the four scores that you need. Um, so it, it was it was really good, and Brady responded, right? Like 14 carries for 110, and when Zach Kolaris was in the game, the offense wasn't moving real well. Right, Zach left that game. We we all focus on Drew's stat line because it was phenomenal. Zach was two for five for six yards. It wasn't going well in the early in the early on. They eventually figured it out, and and Drew helped them unlock you know 300 yards and four touchdowns and on and on. But uh, it it was tough going for for Zach in there. And Brady's a big part of when the pass game. I always I'll probably always think back to the West final in 2022. The pass game wasn't working real well. We're gonna absolutely bludgeon you with Brady Oliveira and the offensive line, and they got some of that in this one. Like his longest carry was 16 yards, and he goes 14 for 110. So there's a lot of eights and nines in there, just, just, tr- just trouncing over defensive backs and linebackers, and so many times uh, I just, you know, handoff to Oliveira. He's at the second level. Right. Like it was just instant. He's at the second level because the hole's there and Brady's through it. And he's he's destroying some uh, poor safety's life in the second level. That was a that was a tremendous run performance from the Bombers offense.
1: Now, you mentioned the fact that perhaps uh, Drew Brown's performance glossed over the fact that Zach Galeros was having a not a very good game to start out on Thursday night. And we've asked the question, what were the refs thinking not throwing a flag? Uh, How many of us have been asking the question, what was Zach thinking trying to shovel that ball away? And I think it was to Brady Oliveira Lost in the comeback win, though, Derek, maybe is the fact that the Blue Bombers were down 22 nothing to the worst team in the league in the first place. (laughs) An opening play, touchdown by Kevin Brown, 64-65 yards, doesn't matter, except Explosion plays galore by the Edmonton Elks and their what is essentially rookie quarterback, Trey Ford. I mean, that was not pretty on a lot of fronts last week.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and the thing that I took away from uh, Mike O'Shea in the coach's show on Monday was sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, just a small mistake ends up leading to a huge play, right? Think of Kyron Moore's 70-yard touchdown. The Bombers are coming like all out blitz. 11 guys are going to rush the passer, and they just pop Kyron Moore out. They just bump him out, and they throw him a pass four yards behind the line of scrimmage, uh, and Demario Houston is in coverage. Demario just made a tackle on a play play like that earlier on. -on One-on-one, if I don't make this, this is a huge play, made the tackle. This one, he comes in a little hot, loses his footing, can't break down in time, and Kyron Moore is just gone for 70 yards. And you go... Uh, That's not great, but there's 70 yards on one play. Hitch it to Kyron. He Uh breaks a tackle. He's gone. Kyron Moore, 50. Bombers, 50. 40. 30. 20. It's a foot race to the end zone, and Kyron Moore is going to win it. They popped Kyron Moore out from a stack. He was the lone receiver there. He made the defensive back miss in open space, and Kyron Moore races for the 70-yard touchdown. That's a backbreaker. Dylan Mitchell caught a 53-yarder. There's 123 yards on two passes. So other than that, Ford was 10 of 12 for 66 yards, if I'm doing the math right. So it wasn't it wasn't a particularly potent offense, but sometimes it's just, hey, here's a guy out of the gap, and blam, Kevin Brown takes the first carry for 65 yards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just, it's not crushing fundamental mistakes uh, well like it's not the mistake of oh this defense is in the wrong scheme and has has the wrong players and all the things that the elk's have to contemplate about what's going wrong at their season for the bombers it's like okay well that happened in the first game against calgary when uh, they hit us for 33 yards on the first carry a guy gets out of his gap and bad things happen uh it just it's a it's kind of a small mistake that that they paid a big big price for and yeah it's I don't. I wonder if it's. I wonder if I'll be concerned about it as we get to the game against Calgary, just because it's a small mistake. But the Bombers have, you know, as far uh, separate Kalars from this, they have all the guys starting that they want to be starting. They're not dealing with injuries among their twenty-four starters, so they're they're the best equipped they could possibly be to make sure those mistakes don't happen when the games get bigger, like uh, Toronto coming up soon, like the third match with BC, and like in the playoffs. I think sports fans
1: in this market are used to the Winnipeg Jets looking at each other after a first period going, "Uh, guys, the game started at 7. We might (laughs) want to be ready. Not necessarily used to it as it comes to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the last several years. I think these starts and, and some of the things we've seen from time to time in these explosion plays are definitely things to watch as we head towards Calgary Friday night.
3: I'm Skyler Peters. Welcome into the film room. For fans of tonight's opponent, it may feel like it's a century behind us, but just a half decade ago, these two teams were drawing for top spot in the CFL's West Division. Both of them had just finished a game back of Calgary in the 2017 regular season, and it was the third place Elks who went into IG Field and ended the Bombers campaign in the West semi-final on November 12th of that year. So Winnipeg fans were understandably fired up for a different result when Edmonton came back to town just seven months and three days later for the curtain raiser on the 2018 CFL regular season. You could even say the atmosphere was electric. Just three minutes into this one, and the league's reigning most outstanding player had no hesitation in trying to prove why.
0: Pressure coming, but Riley getting time now. He's going long for Darrell Walker,
3: and he makes the catch, and that's a touchdown for Edmonton. Now, hearing that, you might think Darrell Walker, who's a fresh CFL free agent as of just yesterday, by the way, caught that bad boy in the end zone. But instead, the ball went from the Edmonton three-yard line to Walker's hands at midfield in a hurry, and all the receiver had to do after that was trot home for the icebreaker. So the new guy was going to have to put some points on the board. Enter Chris Strebler in his first CFL regular season start.
0: Strebler back to pass.
3: Fires down the middle.
0: Touchdown, Tressler. Weston Dressler wide open at the goal line, and Strebler found him and fired it in there.
3: Strebler would get on the board, but Riley would call his own number once more before the first quarter's end, and Edmonton sat on a 10-point lead. And sit they would, as the thunderstorms, forecasted for a couple of hours after the game, showed up a little early. A dampener on opening night, sure, but after a similar experience in the 2017 season opener against Hamilton... It wasn't anything season ticket holders weren't used to. We got drenched, so we moved up into the upper deck. We sat up there for probably two hours. Aiden Bergen, his brother, and his dad made a move up to the 200s to save themselves from the worst of it. Others might have headed to the nearest beer tub for another round. That delay lasted 83 minutes. An annoyance, sure, but it was time to play ball again.
0: And a throw to Darvin Adams. Touchdown, Blue Bombers! Strebler does a great job of recognizing... The open receiver and throwing it right down to Darvin Adams.
3: Perhaps that allowed time for the Bombers' signal caller to settle in. Strebler was starting to look just fine as the new quarterback in town, at least for the first few weeks of this season, with Matt Nichols on the sideline. But it seems the third party that night wasn't interested in letting the Bombers enjoy that newfound momentum. And
0: the thunder rolls.
3: The thunder rolls. And the lightning strikes. And fans strapped in for another stoppage. We all debated whether we wanted to stay or not because everyone went to the home opener and it was supposed to be a bright, sunny day and then you get drenched on and it's a little depressing. While thousands tried to keep from getting wet or wet their whistles some more, the stars of the show were just kicking back downstairs. We knew right away it was like an hour or so. Um, kind of just put my feet up, lay down, um, just, just kind of chilled, listened to a little bit of music. Just before 11.52pm, Strevler took the headphones off, the teams trotted out, 124 still to go in the second quarter. There was no doubt the length of this game would be near record setting. For the most seasoned Bomber fans, thoughts of the 62 Grey Cup, the Fog Bowl, a game delayed overnight due to weather, might have come to mind. And if it didn't immediately jump out, perhaps this guy helped.
0: in the air, it's wide left. Brought out by Kevin Fogg, who's to the 10, the 15, the 20, the 25, the 30, the 35, the 50,
3: center field. Fogg is gone! Touchdown, glow Bombers! 110 yards lead. from Kevin Fogg. The 101-yard strike from Walker to open up this game would only stand as the league's longest touchdown of the season for a few short hours. Halftime was canceled due to the delays, so the Bombers would actually be able to keep their feet on the pedal right this board. time
0: fakes a hitch pass, and looks to the end zone. Touchdown,
3: Wolotarski. Three touchdown passes for Chris Strebler. Interception from Fogg would make fans feel even more confident in their chances to knock off the reigning MOP, but Riley must have figured it was about time for an encore.
0: The ball on the one-yard line. Riley keeps, and he's in for the touchdown.
3: With 82 ticks left, Riley would find Nate Behar for the ensuing two-point convert to tie it and then get the ball back just in time. And Sean White would find just enough focus to send us and all home.
0: Brian puts it down. The kick is in the air, and it is good. With eight seconds to go, Sean White has put the Eskimos in
3: front. 118 in the morning. Just a few thousand remained of the 25,000-plus that originally streamed into IG Field, and those that did were able to say they witnessed the second-longest game in CFL history. After it all wrapped up, the head coach acknowledged some mistakes on his side, but also took time to tip his cap to the man across the field. This doesn't always come down to that, right? There's other plays to be made throughout the game. That's what they do. they got a good offense, right? He's really strong, right? So he got out of a few jams and and made plays for them that were we're pretty good. Chris Strebler's first CFL game was anything but ordinary but the five-hour 42-minute marathon still offered up some valuable teaching points.
4: You know if I were to sit here and say I didn't learn anything then that just wouldn't even make any sense so just getting to go out there in a game in a real game setting with uh, with those guys I mean they learn about me I learn about them and you know I learn about the speed of the game the defenses
3: I mean just everything. Well it's the first loss in film room history Hey, not every song can be Hey Freakin' Jude over here. And ask anyone who was around on that night and still in this Bombers locker room today, they're certainly hoping tonight turns out to be much less notable, be it precipitation or performance-based, as they get set for another business trip in the City of Champions. So just
1: when maybe, just maybe, the Calgary Stampeders might be a threat to win a game or two following their win at home August 4th against Toronto, 20-7 to at McMahon Stadium. They go... They go and uh, lose 37-9 in Vancouver to the BC Lions. Now, the BC Lions beating anybody 37-9 isn't exactly a shock, Derek Taylor, but the fact that the Calgary Stampeders followed up was, was clearly their best performance of the year, at least on the scoreboard, with one of their worst has me asking again, will the real Calgary Stampeders please stand up? Which one was more close to the team that we're likely to see Friday night in Calgary, the team that beat Toronto or the team that got hammered by Vernon Adams, Jr. And the BC lions
2: just based on their record. I just believe it's the team that got hammered by Vernon Adams. Like Calgary is three and six and they've been outscored by 37 points. They, they are, those are not the numbers of a good football team. Um, I, I, I kind of don't know. I think everybody is, is gravitating quickly to, or, or just shuffling to the door of, Oh man, Calgary needs a new quarterback because this Jake Mayer thing, how they're, whether it's how they're using him or how they have to use him because he is, he's limited in some way. I don't think I t- I don't think people are, as many people in the Jake Mayer camp as there were a couple seasons ago when he flashed onto the scene, uh, they've dealt with injuries. There's no question about it, but some of this is self-inflicted and they're just, what are they a threat to do? Um, they got Kadeem Carey back in this one, but how, how is this offense threatening anybody? Uh, it, the defense doesn't produce turnovers at an exceptional rate. I was looking up their big play rates, uh, in this one. And where are they? Big plays this season. They have 17 on the season. So they're just, uh, Man, BC only has 14. That's hilarious. Uh, they're sixth in the league in big plays, like nine fewer than the bombers, and then they still allow a bunch on defense as well. And you know, that's that's not a great success. Um, if you can't push the ball down the field or you choose not to push down the ball down the field for reasons, you're you're not threatening to to other teams, right? Uh Mayor's not Dustin Crum, who will scramble for a 20-yard game winning touchdown. He's and I mean his completion percentage this season. Last year, I, I think it was in the seventies, like seventy-four. He's at sixty-three this year. This is not a this is not a great offense. And I'm just even with as what we saw from Drew Brown. I'm not really concerned about teams that don't have great, you know, good or great offenses uh, when it comes to the bombers. Because uh, how are you going to deal with? Everything the bombers have on that defense—they're two edge rushers, they're linebackers. Uh, you know, Evan Holmes swatting passes away, or Demario Houston picking off six of them. It's, it's Calgary is just their their fall has been. Maybe there are real good reasons for it, but it's just kind of shocking to see a team that's won double-digit games in every 18-game season since 2008. It's 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 funny to see them. It's odd to see them. Let's say looking so bad. So bad for for more than they've looked good this season. But Taylor,
1: but Taylor, Jake Mayer is the second leading passer in the league when it comes to the yardage. He's he's only ninety yards behind Zach Kalaris on that front. Uh, he's got to be he's he got to be good.
2: Well, here's the thing, and this is why uh, taking gross stats is is very misleading. You, just taking oh he's got twenty two hundred and eight yards. He's got to be good. Um, if you just take, you move a few columns over in the CFL and you look at Zach Kalaris and you go 10.2 yards per attempt. That is a phenomenal number. Uh, Chad Kelly at 11 yards per attempt is is ridiculous, but 10.2 yards per attempt is a phenomenal number. Jake Mayer is at 7.3 yards per attempt. He's 90 yards behind Kalaris, but he's thrown the ball almost 80 more times. That's that's not great you're not and so by the way he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns which is a very basic one of i would like that to be dramatically in the other direction so they throw the ball a ton and that's where some yards come from and i you know me i like teams that throw the ball but you you have to throw it better than that cuz if you're throwing it shorter than than Kolaris you have to complete more right shorter passes are completed more often if that's not working in that direction it's not going real well but yeah, like Mayer has 100 more passing attempts than Cody Fajardo and only 300 some odd more yards. It's they're, they're throwing it a ton, but it's not going real well for them when they do. Jake Mayer, 7.3 yards per attempt. Taylor Cornelius, 7.2 yards per attempt. Hmm, something wrong with the state of quarterbacking in Alberta these days. I feel like I
1: want to drop the microphone, but uh, our technical producers (laughs) around here and our engineers, Mike Geisen in particular, would have my head if I did that. And so I think you did a really good job of breaking down why you just can't look at one number. There are multiple numbers to look at and to break down. And one of the numbers jumping out for me, DT, as we look ahead to Friday night is the fact that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have three players in the Canadian Football League uh, with more than four receiving touchdowns. Dalton Schoen, Nick Densky and Drew Wallatarski. Kenny Lawler's name isn't even on that list yet. But the Blue Bombers coming have <laughs> coming soon, exactly. Uh, three of the top five receivers in terms of rushing, or pardon me, receiving touchdowns play for your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That is impressive. Micah Awe probably not going to have a whole lot to say about that. Are there concerns about what Calgary can do in terms of rushing the quarterback, whether it be Drew Brown or Zach Caleros? And Calgary's uh, secondary can they hold a candle to what the Blue Bombers are going to throw at them in terms of their talented receiving core?
2: Calgary has some has some real talented players on that uh, defensive front. It just it's just not. I mean, this is this is part of where injuries have have hurt them irreparably this season. They lost James Vatters for the year. I believe it was a torn pectoral. He's a guy who bossed Jamarcus Hardrick on a couple of snaps. In the first meeting right like right into hardrick sternum shove him back and sack the quarterback but gone for the year so now you've got to go to a lesser player vauders looked really good and made you kind of forget they they let fuller and ermolade get away in in free agency uh i mean mike rose it, it hasn't been an incredible season for mike rose but that's a guy on the interior that i i just think is absolutely dominant and then it kind of has fallen off from there. Julian Hauser is a versatile defensive end who can rush the passer, but they like to do a lot of things with him just like Hamilton did. So, he he's not consistently, you know, getting after the passer. He's trying to get you in other ways as well. Um defensive backfield, there's again there's there's good players back there, but it's just it's just not going real well for for Calgary this season. I tend to put more of that on the uh the offense, but maybe maybe I shouldn't because I mean, that defense ends up on the field for a long time. And though they kind of keep it tight when they're on there, you know, they're just giving up. well, there's another first down. okay, let's let's get ready for two more reps. they're They're not necessarily they're not blameless in the in this three and six thing for the stampeders. So there are certainly spots to be gotten in that Calgary defense. It would be interesting to see how they choose to uh, attack Drew Brown. Uh, because now, I mean, there's now how many, how many snaps with starters would there be of Drew Brown now? Uh, 60 uh, available for coaches to watch and see what he has and, you know, te- you know, test him. Oh, what? Okay. Well, if he does a little run pass option, let's do this or, you know, sending Micah Awe to try to kill him. Is it, it may be a little different than, uh, Edmonton Niles Morgan, their middle linebacker Because always, you know, this. He is he is a guy who tries to attack real hard. I'm not the biggest Micah Awe fan, but that cat plays the game hard, and he likes to hit people, and he likes to tell people that he's hit people. Uh, so yeah, there there may be something that uh, that Calgary can do, but I mean, I just we've kind of talked about this before. They lost free agency guys they don't normally lose in free agency, and I think we're we're seeing them pay the price for it, and then certain i mean some guys maybe haven't bounced back the way that we thought they might from injuries and other guys have been injured and, and that's it's kind of a whole it's kind of a whole jambalaya as to how you get to be 3 and 6 on the season. Derek Taylor working jambalaya into the football
1: conversation you get 5 points for that i there's no tote board or running total but uh 5 points is very impressive dt got to ask you before we run on the Conversation about Friday night. How are you ever going to see what's happening on the field at McMahon Stadium? I have not been. Oh, yes, I have. I have been in the press box at McMahon Stadium. It is a long, long way away from the field.
2: It it really is. But at least it's a long way toward the middle of the field. So that's a that's a real benefit when you get to Montreal or you get to say uh, Hamilton a couple of years ago. Like Montreal, we're at like the 12-yard line, and I remember the first time I called the game in Hamilton, we were at about the 10-yard line. So when you try, and you were very high up in Hamilton too, so when you try to look the other direction, it's uh, 83 and 82. Uh, you know, kind of look like each other when you're 90 yards away from them, right? So that's that can be a problem. Calgary's, I mean, Calgary for for being. Not a good stadium, you know, in current day Canadian Football League. the press box and and the place where we call the game from is is pretty good. The windows don't really open, so that's kind of the downside. but uh you know it's it's a it's a good it's a good enough location and you're you're high enough up and it's clear enough that you can you can tell who's whom but uh, yeah, it it could be better and I, and I just as I see all the stuff having played out over the years in Calgary about a new arena and blah blah blah, I just I just hope at some point there's a new stadium for Calgary Stampede fans because it's it's got to be the oldest stadium in the in the CFL and it's it's past its time and and I think Calgary Stampeder fans deserve a little better.
1: Yeah, it's so odd they have the oldest uh, Percival Molson probably would surpass it. I would think in terms Mm. of age, I would have to double check that. Uh, In fact, as we record this, I think we're one day removed of the anniversary of the opening of McMahon stadium. Uh, The blue bombers were the, were the guests that night. And of course, Bud Grant and the blue bombers uh, beat the Stampeders uh, on unveiling night of McMahon stadium. But I digress dramatically. The fact that let's call McMahon, the oldest with a question mark beside it, the fact that Calgary, has the oldest or one of the two oldest stadiums in the Canadian Football League and the oldest rink outside of Madison Square Garden, which has undergone billions of dollars worth of renovations in the National Hockey League, just seems bizarre
2: to me because Calgary is a sports town for the most part. It it really is. And, I mean, there was a time where... There were a few years there where the the Calgary Dinos were were this going to be this house and this wagon in the uh, in the uh, U Sports world and you know I mean the the Flames are always a, a going concern and they've got the Calgary Surge were just in the CEBL final. I didn't see how that game played out but Calgary's a good sports town. They but won They're stadium. Going,
1: they stadium. Uh, well now hold on they lost in the final but they made it to the final. I mean come on like yeah the, this this is a sports town. They they need some new facilities. I know the arena's on the drawing board, but come on. McMahon
2: is yeah, outdated. It, 1960 is when McMahon opened. i was going through them all. Uh, Percival Molson opened in 1915. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, yeah. I, I t- The oldest big stadium in the Canadian Football League. Fair. But it just, yeah, it's just... It ain't great when you go to if you call games in the west and you go to Saskatchewan and you go to Calgary. You go, oh, okay. I see. I see what uh, I see. What the difference? Uh, you know, fifty-five years or whatever it is makes in uh, in facilities and viewpoints, and then the fans feel it too. I remember going to a game, and you know, you can entice me with cheap hot dogs. I'm I'm simple. I'm a simple man. <laughs> you can entice me with cheap hot dogs, and and they did that night. And I was uh, a friend uh, had set me up with some tickets, but. Yeah, it's it's just trouble, and I'm sure there's all sorts of things with you know the team, the university, blah blah blah, where the land is, where would you put a new stadium, bling bling blah blah blah. It's never easy when you're doing a trying to do a project that size. But Calgary Stampeder fans, I think, deserve it because if if they're not going to be you know 12 and six and in the playoffs or 14 and four and winning the West, the the attendance is is gonna is gonna keep on crashing. I don't care what the cost is. Nick Dembski. Kalos for Dembski! The five and a touchdown! Dylan Mitchell's going to get one on Winston Rose. Going deep for Mitchell on Rose. Got it the 20 and he's going to walk into the end zone. You know what I've learned about CFL Fantasy Football is that it makes me hate players. Kamar Jordan, I don't know anything about him, but
0: I hate him now.
1: All right, let's turn our attention to CFL Fantasy and let's just focus on the quarterbacks because we've got a very interesting situation in my mind this week. Of course, Drew Brown or Zach Kolaros. If Drew Brown does get to go, how many people are drafting him in CFL Fantasy? you have got Vernon Adams Jr. back in play. And then I'm channeling my inner Terrell Owens here, DT, Dustin Crum. That's my quarterback. He was my captain last week, and I, and I've actually moved up considerably in the standings in
2: our CJOB fantasy league. I love it. I love it. my uh, My favorite one from the fantasy league uh, was week ten. Just pulling it up uh, Javiku, who uh, who had for I don't know how went super loaded on Argos and had Davaris Daniels as his captain or her captain. DeVars <laughs> put up 42 points uh, and then double it for captain 84 points at captain, which is more than a lot of teams had last My week. My yeah. so, word. Right. That's uh that is uh that is a, a squirrel finding a nut. That, that one, that's a, that's a hell of a pull in that one this week. It's gotta be, it's gotta be, uh, gotta be drew Brown. If he plays right, like for, for seven grand, you get 15 grand worth of production. Um, Vernon Adams was fantastic this past week. Um, there's nobody in Edmonton Hamilton I, I really want to take, but they'd be cheap options. You don't have a lot of expensive quarterback options if Kolaris doesn't play this week. And there's certainly I certainly wouldn't be taking Jake Mayer as a fantasy quarterback. Um yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be Drew Brown, right? Like fifty percent of the nation will take Drew Brown in fantasy. No. I would have to think, although that Chad Kelly guy's still doing stuff, isn't he? Well, bye week for Toronto, though, right? Ah. So, In the pregame show uh, last week, I mentioned, oh, yeah, my fantasy team includes Dane Evans, at quarterback, and Christian Namel was like, hey, by the way, uh, Dane's not playing this week. And I went, oh, my gosh, that's right. Oh, I got to get him out of there. You got to, yeah. It's good to have friends who will advise you of that. However, I made the switch to Mason Fine and then did not change oh, it after that because I what made had, you a, decide had a football to do, game to call. What, what made you decide to do that, to press that button? Mm. Oh, it was they were they were the same price. So it was a quick flip and I could get a quarterback in there because I'd spent my money on Sean and Lawler and Oliveira, right? So I needed a cheap quarterback. And I'm like, I'll just plunk in Mason Fine and figure it out later. And I never figured out later and Mason Fine uh, got hurt so bad they needed to trade for Antonio Pipkin. So that was my fantasy luck. But I moved up like eighty spots because of Brady Oliveira and company.
1: Derek Taylor? The voice of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Friday night, Blue Bombers Stampeders. The Blue Bombers looking to continue some special things, move to eight and two. And uh, I think Calgary with a loss would fall to three and seven. Not good, as he said, times in Alberta. I call them outlandish predictions. He calls them hot takes. Cam Poitras joins us now on the Blue Bomber podcast. And Cam, I have to ask you, would you have had 300 plus yards passing for Drew Brown last Thursday night? If you'd known, if you'd known, if we'd all known that he was starting that game against Edmonton.
4: Uh, No, there's no way. And uh, I don't care how hot takes or outlandish predictions. I like that better because that's exactly what they are. Uh, All I do is uh, now when I watch the games, I said, okay, well, I have these as my hot takes. I just hope I don't sound too stupid. And uh, I think I'm batting about 50-50, so that's not so bad. Uh, But, um, yeah, I mean, there's no way if I thought that Zach Caleros was going to leave that game um, that Drew Brown was going to come in, throw th- uh, th- four touchdown passes, um, you know, hitting Nick Dembski, Dalton Schoen, Kenny Lawler, uh, Brady Oliveira, and throwing over three hundred and, and throwing three hundred seven yards. No, I, I on seventeen passes. I never in a million years would have would have predicted that. Um, but what I can say about Drew Brown is uh, I, I think there was perhaps maybe a sense of pride. Amongst Bomber fans, watching them go out there and perform like that, um, you know the the savior for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, in, in terms of uh, their uh, quarterback issues, of course, come came uh, via trade in October 2019, uh, a properly um, homegrown. Uh, and I don't want to get too too fast, too quickly ahead of myself after uh, what was one game, but. I get the sense that if drew Brown would get a couple more snaps here and there, whether he should or shouldn't, if, if Zach Claros is healthy, that's, that's, that's certainly a debate. Um, but, uh, a, a homegrown, um, you know, uh, quarterback here. That's obviously been learning from Zach and, and Buck Pierce, um, I mean, it, it it felt good that the that that the bombers could develop one uh, in house. If if not for one night to step in and come back uh, and from a twenty two point deficit and win that game from the second quarter, so I mean that that felt good amongst, um, amongst anything else.
1: You make a good point. It's been twenty five years, maybe longer, since the Blue Bombers drafted or signed a quarterback that was capable of doing what Drew Brown did, never mind capable of being a quarterback long-term in the Canadian Football League. It's always been via trade with BC for Kahari Jones or free agency for Matt Dunigan. Like I mean, you have to go all the way back to Dieter Brock to find a quarterback, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that was drafted or and or signed by the Blue Bombers and became a staple, a superstar in this league. And then the other... Player that the Blue Bombers brought in at quarterback that ended up being a Hall of Famer was Danny McManus. Well, he did all his great things elsewhere when the Bombers gave up on him, let him go to BC, and we know what ended up happening. He wins uh, multiple Grey Cups. He's Canadian Football Hall of Famer, is now the assistant general manager. So you make a very good point. On the current situation and the current perception, what do you think this does in terms of the way not only his teammates view drew Brown and the fans. But what about other teams now? Because that might've been one of the only question marks for this Winnipeg blue bomber team. Yes. Maybe there are small question marks around the offensive line. There are still some questions perhaps about the secondary, but the really big question, the big hole on that roster in the eyes and the minds of so many was do the Blue Bombers have a genuine backup quarterback? We don't, as you say, want to jump to too many conclusions, but the answer
4: very well may be a capital Y E S. Well, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I mean, how that—that's what it is. He was supposed to step up and go into that game and throw 300 yards and win the game. That's why he's on the roster. That's what his 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 teammates. You, you mentioned what is what what. The, the team, I I, I think if the, if you talked about Drew Brown, I mean, like Kenny Lawler called him a dog. I think that's what his teammates thought he was. I, I think there was not even for a second. And Brady Oliveira said it after the game on CGOB um, that the, they have they have huge trust in him. I mean, he said, "Well, it's not ex- it's not good that Zach Claros went down. That's never good." But there was excitement that Drew Brown got to step in there because he's a big part of the team. I mean, uh, and, and you know, Drew Brown has said this several times too. Uh, following the game is you everybody is is a part of winning that game okay drew brown's not going out there and he's not taking any snaps but he's making sure the guys are ready in practice he's making sure that the preparations are there he's working with uh buck pierce oc in in the quarterback room he's helping zach claros go through things uh setting up things maybe working with dakota prue cup as well on on short yardage and and maybe some running downs and stuff like that when they switch packages um so that's what i think the team looks at Drew Brown as it, or has looked at him in in sort of that light as a guy that's a real big important part of this team that we trust when he when he walks in. I 100% believe uh, that, the, you know, I, I, I've I absolutely no doubt in my mind uh, when I look when you when you talk about the other teams in the league, I think. You know, perhaps maybe there was some some heads being some heads being turned, and all of a sudden, oh, this this Drew Brown guy looks looks not too bad. I I'm not sure how many teams in the Canadian Football League were paying much attention to Drew Brown before. I thought maybe he was a guy that they thought he had that. Um, uh, remember when Zach Caleros went out? Uh, I think he was against Ottawa last year, if I'm not mistaken. Or it, anyways, it was a game at IG Field. Zach Caleros has to get pulled, going through concussion protocol. Drew Brown went in on and and set up a. a a winning drive um, there was some sort of anticipation or some idea that is like okay listen okay the if, if situation upholds at least for a drive Greg he can hold the team he can hold the team down and and, and go and win so I, I I think the league and some teams that are maybe looking at fixing some quarterback issues which there are not numerous I think there might be some question marks around what happens with Drew Brown in the offseason maybe some guys will think hey you know, depending on how Zach Caleros is going to be on Friday uh, against the Stampeders, what the situation is going to be with him. I, I think that that perhaps has happened with with some other teams. I'm not sure they're preparing much in the scouting reports. In terms of fans, um, when when you look at see when you have a quarterback, I mean, when you have a, a backup quarterback that people have seen have success, you will inevitably hear if Zach might struggle for two or three series. Might not have his best quarter. Uh, you're going to hear the talk. Put Brown in, right?
1: Most popular guy on a lot of hockey teams is the backup goalie, and on football teams, the backup quarterback. When it comes to the fans, you're hitting something here.
4: Yes, um, I, I. So I, what I do think is, I think amongst fans, not, not not myself, I'm I'm a big Zach Caleros fan. I just look have to look at his winning record as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and the conversation ends for me at that point.
1: There's no brewing quarterback controversy in Winnipeg. We want to be very clear about this.
4: It's there's not even a. It's not even close to a conversation. It's not a whisper. What's quieter than a whisper? There's no quarterback controversy here. But I'm saying there will be a large contingent of fans who fall into the category of Zach Caleros is struggling for three series. Why not put in Drew Brown? What's the what's the harm? So I think amongst. Uh, a, a portion of the fan base who we absolutely love. We love them that they're, they're Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. They're they're cherished members of the of, of the club. Longtime season ticket holders. These are guys who buy jerseys and buy tickets and and everything. They go there and they have themselves a couple beverages. They buy themselves a burger. We love these guys. Um, but uh, but you know, Greg. But there's going to be pre- added pressure now on Zach Caleros. Uh, based on that from that specific portion of the fan base. I don't think that pressure is coming from the organization. I don't think it's coming from his teammates, but I think that um, amongst some, some members of, of the fan base, as I mentioned before, there'll be a little bit more. What have you done for me lately? uh, Zach Clarice. And I think there'll be very, very short memories in terms of down by down throw in drew Brown.
1: He calls them hot takes. That was one there. I call them outlandish predictions. That was one as well. Cam Poitras, thanks for this. Thanks for everything you do around here. No problem. Thanks a lot, Greg. So that's it. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share the Blue Bomber podcast. And also, in case you didn't already know, Monday night's Coach's Show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea will be automatically uploaded to the Blue Bomber podcast. So if you want to catch a rerun of that or catch it, and listen to it at your leisure. You can do so by subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. We will recap this week's game next week and look ahead in the Canadian Football League, focusing on, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thank you for spending some time with us.